Every day we make thousands of decisions. You've already made so many decisions, some simple ones like what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna wear, and more profound ones like your career or education or relationships or how you treat people. We make thousands of decisions a day, right? Everybody knows that. And some of us like decisions. We go, I can't wait. Others hate decisions. Some people make really fast, rash decisions where they don't really take in a lot of facts, they just impulse, I'm gonna make a decision, decision. Others love the facts, more facts, more facts, so I can do more hemming and hawing and wringing my hands because I don't wanna make a decision. There are fast facts, fast times we make decisions, slow times, good decisions, bad decisions. I like what this author says about humanity. She says, it's the ability to choose which makes us human that we have choices as humans is pretty great. And I think most of us want decisions. We like decisions. It's the product of our lives, the decisions that we make. So there are people, everyone, where there have been good decisions and bad decisions made for you in your life. And you have made some good decisions and some bad decisions. You add up the decisions that have made for you by someone else, good or bad, and you add up the decisions you've made for yourselves, good or bad, that's what lands you right here, right now. You and me making decisions. My parents um, have a sign up in their kitchen that says, bad decisions make great stories. Bad decisions make great stories. And I'm kind of glad that they didn't have that up when I was a teenager. It was a little later in life because I didn't need any encouragement to make bad decisions and good stories for my family. But it's certainly true, right? The bad decisions of people are what we like to watch on the news, right? They'll be like, and now let's go to this scene where this bonehead makes this decision that's terrible. Or have you watched Fail Army on YouTube? I mean, so much fun. Some 45-year-old guy thinks he can jump off his roof, hit the trampoline into his pool. Epic fail, and it's the best, right? I can watch it over and over. You are an idiot. Why would you do that? Because bad decisions make great stories. Today we're going to look at probably the worst decision ever made in the Bible by a Roman governor named Pontius Pilate who decides to sentence Jesus to death. And because of his bad decision, we have the good news of Jesus Christ that if you are a sinner like me, you can be forgiven. And so if you have your Bibles, John chapter 19, John chapter 19, today is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week. So we're walking through Holy Week this week. And as a church, we're going through the last hours of Jesus's life. So we're kind of beyond Palm Sunday to his final hours before he dies. But follow along this week and read and follow the scriptures through the life of Christ. Open up to John's gospel, Luke's gospel, and would love to have you join us on Good Friday because there's something about that experience that sets us up for a celebration on Easter. And just quick, before you judge Pontius Pilate for being a jerk and making a bad decision, do you know you make the same kind of jerk decisions yourself? I mean, he's no different than you and me. He's the same as you and me. We each have influence and power over decision-making. How do you use your decisions? John chapter 19. Remember, Jesus has been on earth for 33 years. He's a carpenter turned traveling teacher. 
He's a healer. Some people love him. Some people hate him. He's hated by the religious establishment because he doesn't play by the religious rules. His buddy, Judas, one of his disciples, doesn't like the decisions that Jesus makes, so decides to sell Jesus out. In a premeditated way, Judas and the religious leaders start working together. And they find a dark, secret, quiet moment to arrest Jesus when nobody's looking. And the Jewish leaders bring him before the Roman governor and say, this Jesus says he is king. He should be charged for insurrection and put to death. And quickly, this Roman governor, Pilate, sees that Jesus is innocent. He says to Jesus in John 18, are you a king? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not from this world. And Pontius decides right there and then, this is nothing. Why are we talking about this? What are we doing here? And he tries to let Jesus go free, but the crowds, the pressure, the power as a leader starts to get to him. He is going to make some choices here in John chapter 19 that will get his name written into history forever. And you and I make the same kind of choices ourselves that will last for all eternity. Would you pray with me? God, your word is alive and active. Your son walked on planet Earth. He walked into arrest and torture, into death and into life to buy us back. Show us today the gift of life that comes through Christ. And show us today that each of us have choices to make and our life is the sum total of the choices we make here and now that last for all eternity. Holy Spirit, be present among us here in this room, in the chapel, online, and do what only you can do, God. Show us what is true and right and give us the strength to pursue what is good and noble to the end that you would be honored and glorified in every way through our lives. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Pontius Pilate has already decided that Jesus is innocent. John chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Like, wait a minute. You already decided he was innocent of insurrection. Why would you go and have him flogged? But he hands him over to a bunch of religious or Roman soldiers who take a cat of nine tails with bone and metal and whip Jesus behind closed doors. Why would you do that if he's innocent? Verse two, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus's head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, hail, king of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. You picture this in your mind, a 33-year-old behind closed doors with a bunch of Roman soldiers left to be flogged. And they just do more than flogging. They ridicule Jesus. The king needs a crown. Somebody goes outside to a blackberry bush, grabs some thorns together, makes a crown, and puts it gently on his head to honor the king. The king needs a robe. Somebody get a cloth, wrap it around him, 
and they slap him over and over again. And at some point, Pilate re-enters the scene and says, pick him up and bring him outside, verse four. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe, Pilate said, here is the man. Remember, he's already decided he's innocent. So he has him flogged, he brings him out. Jesus is probably covered in blood. He's exhausted, a crown of thorns and a robe on. And Pilate says, here's your guy, here's your man. As if to say, really guys? Okay, listen, I had the guy flogged. He's humiliated, he's bloody. Let's just get over with this. Let him go home, let's all go home. Nothing to see here, let's call it quits. Verse six, as soon as the chief priests and the officials saw Jesus, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Pilate thinks that maybe they'll have some common sense. They'll see the humiliated Christ and go, this is no threat. They'll be merciful and let him go, but it doesn't happen that way. Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he's claimed to be the son of God. They moved beyond insurrection claims to religious concerns. He's claiming to be the son of God. Our law says, you claim to be God, you get rocks thrown at you. Verse eight, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Something about Jesus, how he carried himself, something about, hey Jesus, are you a king? I am not a king of this world. Something about his silence and accepting this abuse, not fighting back. Something now about him being said that he's the son of God. It causes Pilate to slow down and to think, to process all that's happening. And, and Matthew's gospel gives a little insight into what's going on in Pilate's head. Gentlemen, listen up, listen to your wives. Right, Because Matthew's gospel tells us that Pilate's wife has a dream. And in the dream, she's told Jesus is innocent, let him go. So she goes to her husband and says, Pilate, let him go. Have nothing to do with this innocent man. But Pilate doesn't listen to his wife. Pay attention, men. There's something about this that causes Pilate to wonder What's going on? My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says. He's not willing to fight. Now the religious leaders are saying he's the son of God. Pilate is caught. He sees this man is innocent. Something more is going on that he can't figure out. He's decided to let him go, but he wants to appease the crowds. His decision-making is flawed, verse nine. And he went back inside the palace. Where did you come from, he asked Jesus. He moves beyond, what have you done that this would happen? Who are you, Jesus? Where did you come from, Pilate asked him. But Jesus gave no answer. Hmm. He's silent to the Roman governor. And the governor says, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate says, don't you realize I have power to either free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you have, would have no power over me if it were not given to you from 
above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. He says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. He's silent as they beat and torture and mock him and they spit in his face. They say, this guy claims to be the son of God. Jesus says nothing, he's silent. But then when Pilate says, I got power over you, dude, you better talk to me, respect me. Who do you think I am? You know what I'm talking about. It's like a little mob scene. You don't cross the Roman governor. And the moment Jesus says, you have no power except what has been given to you from above. What you're doing is sinful. The people that premeditated all this, they're sinful more maybe than you. But what you're doing is wrong and you know it. And listen, Pilate, my father in heaven has given you authority like he's given every human authority. And I'm not afraid of you because I trust him. That's what Jesus is saying to him. You think you have power over me? My God is all powerful and he has entrusted you with these decisions. I'm not afraid. Those are fighting words. And you'd think in this moment, Pilate would double down You'd think in this moment he would get upset, verse 12, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. He, he sees this is something different. This guy is different. I, I'm crazy to, to crucify him, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat as the place known as the stone pavement. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar. The chief priests answered, Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. What the heck, Pilate? Like, what? You know he's innocent. How could you, with the power that's been entrusted to you, take an innocent man? You know in your heart of hearts, you got to let him go. But instead, the pressure, the crowd, the power, the control. He has Jesus crucified, and this is good news. The bad decision he made is good news for you and for me because the perfect son of God came to be a ransom for many. I want you to think back to the beginning, back to the first lines of the Bible. The opening lines say, in the beginning, God. God creates a world. He makes a choice to share his love and make a world. He creates man and woman in his image, and he puts the first man in his garden, and he loves the first man so much that he says, all of this is yours to enjoy. Enjoy every aspect of my world, my playground, my stuff. It's all yours, my son. Enjoy it, just don't do one thing. I, I put a boundary line around one thing. There's one tree you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. Everything else is yours, son. And Adam, that first man, 
chose to disregard and rebel against the God of the universe. Instead of listening, loving, serving God, he trades his life with God for life apart from God. And since then, every human has been born sinful. Since then, we would all make the same decision to reject God. I am Adam and you are Eve. We are human and every one of us choices and all of us reject and rebel against God. And God promises way back then that he's going to send someone to rescue us. He gave the first human a choice and Adam blew it. And we have all blown it. Sinful choice after sinful choice. This is the bad news that no amount of good choices can outweigh our bad choices. We're sinful before a holy God. Here's the good news. Adam's decisions led to death. Jesus' decisions led to life. Led to life. The Son of God comes on planet Earth and every moment of his day he chose to listen to God to honor God, and it got him killed. It got him crucified, falsely accused, innocently sentenced, horrifically killed. The bad news that we're all sinful. The good news is that Jesus came and laid his life down for sinners like you and me. This is good news. What you'll notice as you look at the whole crucifixion of Christ from his betrayal and his arrest to his mocking and his torture and his death, that every single person in that line of decision-making had real choices. Every single person was like Pilate with real choices. You know, Pilate is standing in front of Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, with all divinity living in front of him in flesh and blood. And he looks at the God of the universe and says, I have power over you. And don't I do the same thing? Don't you do the same thing? Who are you, God? I can't see you. I can't touch you. I can't smell you. I can't hear you. I'm just a random ball of cells here doing my thing. I get to feel what I want to feel, do what I do, have out life in any way I want. Who are you, God? I have power over you, God, is the way I approach God. It's the way you approach God. It's the way Pilate approached God. And Jesus said, you have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Translation, God has entrusted each one of us with choices. You have no power, I have no power, except what's been given to me by God. To be human is to have these choices. It's a gift that our creator has given us. And Pilate's bad decision put the innocent to death so that the guilty could go free. I mean, Pilate's tradition was let some criminal go so, so let me let Jesus go and we'll keep Barabbas. And the crowd says, no, we'll take the guilty back. Kill the innocent. And the innocent dies, Jesus, so that the guilty could go free, Barabbas. And the same is true for you and me. 
We are guilty before a holy God. No amount of good deeds can outweigh our bad deeds. Our decisions are tainted with selfishness and arrogance. Self-worship and our feelings, all tainted. And the God of the universe judges us as guilty. No amount of religion can fix this. Only faith in the Son of God who gave his life for you and me. What are you doing with your choices? What are you doing with that's been entrusted to you by God? He gave you these choices because he loves you. The God of the universe loves you and me so much that he says, I make choices, the God of the universe makes choices, and I'm making you in my image, so I will give you choices too. He loves us, and he gives us choices. And instead of designing us to be robots that march to whatever he says and does, no, he says, I'll let you choose. Here you go. Men and women, you could choose red or blue. Whatever. You could choose meat or vegan. Go ahead, whatever. Starbucks or Dunkin', whatever. Yankees or Phillies. Whatever you want. Choose what you want. You could choose God or not God. You could choose good or evil. You could choose to follow God and honor him, or you can reject him and hate him. It's all up to you. It's your choice. But within these choices indelibly written into the fabric of God's design for the universe is this principle that whatever choice you make, it's yours. The blessings that come with those choices and the consequences, you own it all. Choose whatever you want. Blessings and consequences, those are also yours. The Bible says it this way, throughout the Old and New Testament, it says you reap what you sow, which means whatever you plant in the ground, you plant tomatoes, guess what comes up? Tomatoes. You don't plant tomatoes and get bananas, right? So you make choices, and the choices you make, you get the fruit. You choose Yankees, you get victory. You choose Phillies, not so much, right? I mean, I'm just saying. Whatever you choose, it's yours. To be human is to make choices. And with those choices come real consequences. So when I look at Pilate in this moment, he knows the right thing to do, chooses the wrong thing to do. And you know what? He maintained his power and his prestige in the moment because of his decisions. But he goes down as history as the man who put Jesus to death. What a legacy. The only reason we know about Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, is because of the bad decision he made. What about you? Madeline Engel said it's the ability to choose that makes us human, but she also said this, that maybe you have to know darkness before you can appreciate light. This kind of makes me sad, but this is a true statement for most of us, that for some reason as humans who've been entrusted with choices, for some reason as humans, we choose to live in the dark in the dirty, in the shameful. And until we feel the dark 
and the dirty and the shameful. We don't choose the light. But if right now you feel any level of darkness and dirty and shame, you have a choice right now to choose to walk out of that darkness into light. For some reason as humans, we keep choosing darkness instead of saying to the God of the universe who is light, flood my heart with your light, I choose you. I will no longer choose darkness. And instead of laughing at stupid boneheaded decisions, maybe we should learn from them. Pilate chooses power and prestige over doing what is right and just and look where it got him. Judas chose to sell out and look where it got him. The religious leaders chose tradition over truth and look where it got him. Jesus chose service and love and sacrifice and look where it got him. Maybe we should learn from these decisions because every choice you make leads to death or leads to life. You go, that is so dramatic, preacher boy. Oh yeah, it's really dramatic and it's really true. Every decision you make, it's one or the other. Oh, we like, we like the fuzzy middle, the spectrum, just get a little softer. We don't like the stark contrast. Really, Joe? No, really. I mean, is this pandemic about life or death? Is it fuzzy in the middle? I mean, this is a real virus. It killed some of my friends. This is not a joke. But it does more than just kill physically. It kills emotionally, it kills mentally, it kills spiritually, it kills relationally, it kills. And your thoughts and your decisions about this virus are either death or life. And I'm not here to get into what you should do or how you should do it, but if you're a vaccine person, get your vaccine and get back to living. And if you're a mask person, then get your mask on and get back to living. Because can we go another year living in isolation and in fear of what could happen? We must live because we could preserve physically and die in every other way. Be wise, absolutely with the science. I'm all with it, but at some point, if you don't get busy living, then get busy dying. Famous quote from Wyatt Earp. At some point, we have a choice. We can't be held back by fear. Are people really out to get you? Is really everyone out to get you? People at work are always out to get me. People at school are always out to get me. People at home are always out to get me. Really? Really, everybody is against you. Really. You have a choice of life or death. Life or death. You've been overweight, you've been anorexic, maybe for a really long time, you have a choice to make, life or death. Get healthy or keep living in the same overweight state or the same anorexic state. You've been addicted to alcohol or pot or porn you said you'll stop, you said you'll quit, how many times? That's a decision of life or death. It's not a game, 
You've allowed that person to abuse you for how long? To say they love you? To manipulate you and control you? That's a decision of life or death. You have a dream to go back to school? To get a new job? To do something you've always wanted to do? That you know it's written into the very fabric of who you are? It's a decision of life or death. You've been angry your whole life because someone hurt you. You had some traumatic experience that indelibly changed you, and so you've been hurting the people closest to you for far too long, and you said you would get better, but you're killing your family, and you're killing the people at work because of your angry outbursts. Either live or choose continued death. You've toyed with Christianity your whole life. You said, when I get older, I'll follow Jesus. You have a choice to follow Jesus into life or to continue in death. You said you wanted to grow spiritually. You've had moments where you're convicted of sin and you're like, I don't even know the Bible. I, I wanna read, I wanna grow, I wanna be different, I wanna be generous, I wanna be someone who carries the fruits of the Spirit. You've been saying that for a really long time. You have a choice to make. A choice of life spiritually or continued death. Your life is the sum of your choices. Yes, so many of us have been hurt, but even with your hurts, you have a choice. We have allowed victimization to so indelibly mark our humanity that we act as if we have not been entrusted with choices. When the God of the universe says, you have choices, make them with wisdom, with help. You need help, get help. You need support, get support. Science, get science. Medical attention, get medical attention. Help from a lawyer, get help from a lawyer. But make a choice to live, not in fear, but in faith in Jesus Christ the one who walked into death to give you and me life. So faith church, get busy living or continue to die. We have that choice. God has granted that to us. So choose life and not death. Choose Jesus, not religion. Choose faith and not fear. And watch how the spirit of God comes alongside you and helps you and encourages you and guides you and gives you peace. But don't buy the lie that you have power that's not been given to you from above. It's been given to you from above and presented with you options on the daily. What choices will you make? Invite the Spirit of God into those choices and watch the peace. Watch the direction. Watch the hope that will flood your life. Would you pray with me? God, would you help us? Would you help us? Because it's so easy to think that we're controlled by our circumstances instead of seeing that we can make decisions about how we think and how we live and how we believe and the attitude that we have. God, right here, right now, there are people that have never put their trust in Jesus. 
They're carrying around lots of guilt and lots of shame. Carrying around a lot of wishing they could do better to make you happy. Carrying around a lot of religion, but religion doesn't work. I pray if there's someone in the sound of my voice that has not put their trust in Jesus Christ, that they just would open their heart to you. You know the mind and heart of every human, so they don't have to pray a magic prayer or do anything special. Just say, I want you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And you promise to come close and to forgive sin. God, as sons and daughters that are here, we point our fingers at everybody else. We make excuses of why we live the way we live. We have choices. Please empower us to follow science and follow logic, follow wisdom, and follow truth, but to not be held back by fear. Fear is an enemy that destroys us, but we choose life. So help us as your sons and daughters to choose life.